you know, what, what really uh, inspires me and, and encourages me with what you're doing is you're trying to help others get there before you get there and, and there being the division one level. And I think through these podcasts, there will be some people that are, that are positively affected and, and are able to realize that division one dream or whatever their goal may be uh, before you do. But eventually you'll get there because of all the people that you've helped along the way. You are listening to the Crown Rest Podcast, the audio experience for basketball official officials. Serve the game. I'm here with Ed T. Rush and Rob Rourke of Cork Club Elite. Gentlemen, thanks for coming on the Crown Rest Podcast. You know, I first heard of Cork Club probably back in 2015. I was a couple years into really getting serious about this craft. And Ed, you were giving a presentation in Spooky Nook. And you were talking about communication and demeanor and court presence. And in the middle of that session, you were randomly calling on officials to participate in your conversations and ask some questions, you know, putting people on the spot, making them feel uncomfortable. And in the midst of your discussion, I just remember saying to myself, wow, this is some next level stuff. You know, I hadn't been exposed to that higher level of thinking with regards to officiating basketball yet. Just amazing content for the official that wants to improve you know, you do a real deep dive into a lot of important topics that, that we need in order to improve. And I know you had a great career as an official. Your passion to teach the craft is super obvious. When did you get the idea to start Core Club? And how were you able to manifest that thought into action? Actually, Paul, well, first, thanks for having us. Uh, it was my son's thought process. He's very creative. He's a visionary. Uh, he's an entrepreneur. And some 11 plus years ago, uh, we live in Southern California near him in the wintertime. And he asked me a question, and I didn't really have a great answer. The question was, how do referees know how to advance and to get better and to put themselves in an advantageous position where they can grow their career? And I said, my answer was, See, it depends on where they live. There's some some centers of influence in certain places. I kind of went over that with him, but I said, there's really no roadmap to success that's out there, and he said, well, let's do one. And I said, okay, well, you tell me. So we would go places in the car. He'd have his recorder, and he just started asking questions, and we did this for about three weeks. Uh, those answers to those questions then became a book, and the book was called is called And One. It's, I'm named as the author. And actually, it was my son taking my answers and putting them into a really readable area. And the book was very well received. And, you know, it was, I don't know how many copies we sold, but it sounded like a lot. Um, but from the book came questions. Um, and so we would get these questions and we'd say, well, okay, let's have a conference call. And we'd say, you know, at 3 o'clock on Wednesday, we're all going to get on this 800 number, or a number like this, and we can all ask questions. And we did that. And that was, you know, we did Q&A, and it got to the point where the guys really liked that, the gals, and we were doing it once a month and a couple times a month, and then we started to uh, record the sessions and put them on DVD and send them out. And then um, finally my, my son says, you know, um, this really should be a membership thing where we really provide materials for individuals and this evolved, as you can see, and um, 
so it became a membership thing, which is really important to us because there's value. And once people invest, there's an investment not only of their of their time but their resources. And once people invest, we found that those those folks are the ones who uh, they're really great. So there's some people who've been with us for lots of years. But along the way, you know, we met with Rob. He was a student at Bloomsburg University where I was coaching, and um, he was the best student. I mean, he did all the video breakdowns and. He was off the charts tremendous. And obviously where he's reached in his career has been a result of that. And uh, he's, he came to work for us many years ago. And, and so we have a team. And um, it's a four-person team. And it's uh, Ed Rush Jr., myself, Rob, and Trudy Rush, who was our business manager. So that's that's kind of – that's the Breeders' Digest version of how we got here. That's fantastic. I love how it started with your son. and. You guys built it up. Seems like step by step had a really strong foundation. I know your most recent right. project has produced some some wonderful content. Nine long form training videos in all, focused on the psychological approach to the game. Um, your mental series features Dr. Chris Carr, Ed Rush Jr., the NCAA national coordinator J.D. Collins, tournament official Nate Harris, former major league pitcher Bob Tewksbury, and psychologist Dr. Ken Revisa. That's a real wide range of talent that you compiled there. Talk to me about what the Mental Game Series is. All right. Well, this is near and dear to my heart. Uh, you know, people always say, well, how did you do in your refereeing career? So I was a really average referee, uh, really average, but I found a way to focus. And so I had some help. I would, you know, I would talk to people who I guess would look at as counselors, and I realized that imagery, visualization, self-talk, the, the act of zip principle, the self-fulfillment, all those things uh, really got to the point where I understood and I really studied that there was two parts of the brain, one speaks to the other, and that's how we develop our habits. And I went around, and when I spend time with referees, for the most, t- most part, people have certain levels of ability, but their, uh, their ability to be right normally is has to do with the focus. Am I in the moment? Do I understand the process, what's happened? And then when you talk to people, so um, fortunately I have a friend who is a manager in the Major League Baseball level who is big, big, big in mental training, mental skills, and he's had phenomenal success. He just finished five years with the Chicago Cubs and and now is the California, the Los Angeles Angels manager. And he – and encouraged me to look into mental skills. And he felt that it was really going to be important to the things that we do. There are a lot of correlations. So then through him, Joe Madden, we met, I met Ken Revisa. And Ken, uh, that interview that we put up last week and then the second one actually is uh, tomorrow, uh, was actually done in 2015. And I had been, had a relationship with Ken starting in 14, wonderful man, uh, unfortunately, uh, was uh, passed away last year and is missed. But he was an influence, a big influencer on my thinking as far as application to to referees. But we really never got it to the point. We finally got it to a point where I said, look, Rob and I talked about this. I said, I want to put together a series. And this could be one of the most impactful things that we do the the emails, the texts, and the phone calls that we've gotten have been absolutely off the chart of people who have taken this material, digested it, 
step by step, made it a part of their life, and that's what's exciting to me. It's much beyond basketball. I mean, I look at what we do, frankly, as ministry. I don't, you know, I don't look at this as just basketball. And if you follow the process, if you started with Dr. Carr, and if you're with us up to Canada Visit, and you've done journaling, and if you've taken notes, and you follow the process, which a lot of folks have, there's a lot of aha moments. Like, well, you know, I can do better at this. And and um, it, it gets it's very energizing for me, and I know for Rob, when we because this is what it's about to try to help people have better lives. And and I've learned a lot uh, to the point where I'm now pursuing a a, a mastery program in post grad in uh, in sports psych because that's something I think is really uh, you know extremely important in all sports. And I and I use it. I coach football also, and and then uh, special teams, and it's a big thing with kickers and being in the moment. And, um, we've had a lot of success. So that's a long answer, but that's uh, you know it's it's something that's. It's, I look at this and I say, if people would know how good this was, not because we put it together, because you know, we were fortunate enough to have the right people at the right time, but they realized that th- this really could be uh, a series that fell together as as well as anything we've ever done. I think you're, you're doing it exactly right. Like you said, we could draw a lot of parallels from, from refereeing and into life, so there's a lot of the content that he speaks yeah. about that is just directly related to, to life. Rob, let me ask you this, being a Division One official, but also being um, part of Court Club, how has Court Club and the Mental Game Series impacted you on the court? Well, you know, first and foremost, I think uh, it, it really has given uh, myself, and I know for, for many of our members, it's given us, something to go to. Uh, as Dr. Revisa says, uh, when when you start to become uncomfortable, uh, this is a tool that now allows us to be comfortable in those uncomfortable moments. And, you know, for me personally, when I, when I think of the mental series, we often hear uh, what we need to do as officials on the floor, you know, as far as, hey, you just need to relax, or you may be at a camp and they say, well, we we're looking for the it factor, but we can't really tell you what the it factor is. Or, you know, when you miss a play, you got to move on. So we hear all over in officiating in the officiating community, we hear all these different people telling us what to do. But in my opinion, up until now, no one's really told us how to do it in regard to the mental training, and it's just kind of been an afterthought. And I think that this mental series that we've compiled here. And uh, as you alluded to the, to the nine segments so far, uh, they've really given us a plan and a, and a, and a how to uh, go about, you know, to try to get these results. Uh, so something tangible that we can put into play. Uh, for instance, me personally, uh, I've, I've been uh, leading up to uh, today and at the beginning of the season, I've been, wor- I've been journaling. Uh, I've been, I've been writing things down daily. Uh, I've been practicing the imagery, uh, the breathing techniques, which, to be completely transparent, uh, you know, I found to be somewhat of something that I needed to overcome, just the stigma of, okay, am I going to be out on the floor during timeouts really breathing? And I had to overcome that, you know, mentally to just even try to practice that and implement it. And, you know, I did that through the scrimmage and exhibition season, and, you know, I realized that uh, 
it really wasn't that it didn't bring attention to myself as I thought it would. And I'm out there during timeouts. And, you know, as J.D. Collins talks about breaking these games in the segment. So just the practicality and the implementation of doing that, coupling that with the breathing exercises, using the imagery. And, and, and um, you know, after this call, I'm going to have a session uh, alone in, in private time here and just kind of having imagery of, of what success is going to look like tonight for me on the floor. And it's going to be very specific to the game that I'm in and, and with the personalities that are going to be in play and the teams. And it's going to be very, very specific. And that's kind of going to be my mental walkthrough before I even go to the arena tonight. And so, uh, again, I'm, I'm kind of elaborating, but but as Ed said, this is something that, that's really meaningful to me. And, you know, the, the analogy that we, we've expressed to our members is, hey, when you want to, when you, you know, when you uh, want to work on your physical fitness, you go, you go hire a personal trainer or you go see a dietitian or you go get, you know, a gym membership. But when you want, when you want to work on the mental training, we haven't really had an answer up until this point. point. And, and now I think we've kind of, at the minimum, brought uh, the attention that, hey, this is impactful to the officiating community. I just want to say this, being a college basketball official, I've been watching J.D. Collins' videos during the season for the last five years. Recently heard him on the Jeff Goodman podcast. That was tremendous. You should go check it out. Jeff was a guest of mine on Podcast 51, but being a part of Court Club means you have access to J.D. Collins while he's sitting in his home talking straight hoops, which is amazing. I thought one phenomenal piece of content that J.D. had was his breathing techniques to calm yourself under duress and during the pressurized moments of the game. In this next segment, Ed is going to talk about that tactic and why you should implement it when the game gets hot and the attention is on you. Well, that's a big thing, big, big thing in baseball. And and um, and actually, had a conversation with Steve Javi, who arguably is one of the greatest officials ever worked and is now, is now uh, living out a dream as a bishop in a very large Catholic church in suburban Philadelphia and, and does... Uh, command the room time in front of the church and doing the homilies. And I talked to him about the breathing, visualization, act as if, that whole thing. And so it it's more it's almost a intentional action and like in the in the kicking world, uh, it's the same thing with pitchers, batters. There the teaching is that you breathe in four seconds, hold two and deliberately, intentionally blow out six. Now, you know, you don't go crazy with all kinds of contortions here, but this is more of a habit and a pattern that works. And it's amazing how when one does that, how there's a relaxation factor, you know, from head to toe. It just releases all the stress and all the tension. And, uh, you know, in talking to Steve, because, you know, he was about as good as there was performance under pressure, and one of the things that Steve had to work on was not to react too quickly to emotional situations. And later in his career, he became a master at slowing that process down. And um, and he's actually applied it to his, his work also uh, in the Catholic Church, because he goes in front of the room, and you'd think he'd been there for 20 years just his confidence and the, the way he carries himself. But there's a relief and a release of any any tension that you have built up that's going to inhibit you from being your best. 
Yeah, I'll add to that, Paul. The the one thing, the the biggest takeaway that I found uh, in just a short time of, of of implementing these into my own personal game is the thing that I struggled with, and I think most officials will admittedly say that they also struggle with is releasing incorrect decisions in the game. So what I mean by that is we've we've, we've made an incorrect call. We've maybe we passed on a play that we should have put a whistle on, or we called a play that we didn't like. It was marginal. Now, how do we hang on to that play? Uh, and up until this year, uh, again, admittedly, I would hang on to that play for many possessions sometimes, and it would just eat at me. And what I found is with these, when, with this breathing technique, literally the the inhale exhale, uh, whatever the power it has, and it's worked for me. When I exhale, I release that play, and I just feel like I can move on in the game and I don't have that. So that it's, it's been remarkable that now I don't feel like I have to have perfection each and every night because we know that that's obviously uh, not obtainable and, and it, and it never will be in what we do. Uh, but it's just given me that sense of calm when I'm on the floor that, okay, you know what, I'm releasing this play now and I'm moving on because as Ken Revisit talked about in his interview last week that we released, uh, Right now, the most important play is the one in front of me, and I got to get to that as quick as I can. Uh, so, really, the mistake recovery strategy for me has has been cr- crucial. You just and Rob just nailed it. Just make sure, just make sure that your listeners hear this. What he just said: everyone should develop a re- mistake recovery strategy, and that. You know, we learned that from Revisor. We learned that from Bob Tewksbury. I learned that from Joe Madden. Uh, it's it's basically turn the page and be in the moment. So I'm sorry, Paul, for interrupting, but I want to make sure everybody heard that key the key phrase that, that Rob just used: the mistake recovery strategy. Yeah, I want to go deeper into that. I was just saying, as you guys were talking and giving me the instructions on the breathing technique, I was doing it myself, feeling uh, really relaxed. So it definitely does work. You know, we talk yeah. about miss, missed calls. Obviously, we all love making correct calls, but we focus on the missed calls. That's the big part of our craft. That's how we're going to improve. Um, you have to be your own worst critic, but you also have to be your biggest champion as well to balance that out. I don't think we talk about that enough because it sounds self-promoting, but always believe in yourself even if no one does. That being said, um, how else can we implement this mistake recovery strategy? Well, it really depends on the game. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, there are certain points of the game when the you know the pressure level raises, when the game gets crazy. Um and to your point about the missed calls and et cetera, um, I mean, sound teaching will tell you that we must see and know what we do right. And we must be able to continue to to visualize and to review what we do right. And then we it's, it's the old thing about, you know, the sandwich the, that's not real good in the middle. But the bread on the outside is great. We start with something really good, and we go to the middle, and we pull out the things we want to correct, and then we finish with something really good. We have to, because we have to maintain a, a feeling of inner confidence. So if, we, if so, there are times when we have officials in court club, we do a lot of one-on-one mentoring. That's a big part of what we do. Well, they'll they'll start out, and they'll just be beating each other up. They'll beat themselves up so much. Oh, I missed this. I missed that. I missed that. So we'll slow down. Wait a minute. 
let's talk about where you were here. That looked really good. Right? I like we liked it. Did you like that? Yeah, I like that. Good. Okay. Did you like your movement here? Yeah, good. How about this play here? Did you like that? Good. Okay. Now let's go to this play. Can we fix it? Yeah, well, can we do it to fix it? So I think we get so much external negativity in the officiating world that we must reinforce the what we do right, the positives, so that we can maintain an authentic inner swagger. So I think that's really, really important. In this part, Ed talks about the mentorship aspect of Court Club and the film study feature that they offer. Ed references one of their most notable alumni, NBA referee Tyler Ford. Yeah, people that are members, um, yeah, we make available to them, and they. I'm starting. We're starting to get them already. It's, it's fun. Um, they'll send us video. It'll be a portion of a game, and you know, it'll be maybe a quarter or a half or. Sometimes we get a full games, and um, they'll ask us to look and just to take a look. And then what we'll do is uh, I'll schedule times that we uh, you know we get on uh, the phone like we are here, and we get on laptops uh, or whatever device they uh, more than a phone. It's got to be a bigger picture, and we watch the same video together. So it doesn't matter where somebody is. Um, you know, I just did video with uh, with somebody from from uh, Seattle, Washington, yesterday, and just kind of going over things that happened in a scrimmage, and watching the same thing together. So it's it's like being in the room, and a lot of it is asking people, really trying to teach people how to break down their video. That's a critical part of what we do. I mean, it's it's something that we find that we have some tremendous models. I mean, uh, I'll give you. Tyler Ford, fourth year in the NBA, has worked a couple rounds in the NBA playoffs, has had really great success. He started, he was one of our original members. And the biggest thing he wanted to learn, and we did a lot of <clears throat> a lot of video, a lot of mentoring with him. Um, and he just wanted to, you know, look at plays and look at situations over and over again. And, and to the point where he became really good at the same thing, at mentoring and breaking down video. And, you know, and he moved on, and he was a, a rec leader at Purdue, and, and he would do that with the students at Purdue who were in the officiating programs. Made him better. Um, you know, and, and so, <clears throat> you know, we give everybody an opportunity to uh, to do that with us, and Rob does a lot of it. Um, I do. There are times when some of our um, our leadership folks and people have been with us for a long time will we'll look at somebody and and do the same thing. So we're just kind of giving a little, a little bit of guideline as to because most most referees will say, yeah, I want to break down video, and it's a it's a skill and an exercise that takes work. And you, the better you get at that exercise, the better you get at the game as far as your play calling is concerned. But there's kind of a I think there's some coaching that needs to be done to get people to the point where they uh, <clears throat> they know how to break down video must be a really good feeling for you to have so many of the younger officials that you started with during the, you know, beginning phase of core club that have now, to, you know, gone on to do great things in the industry like division one and the NBA. How does that make you feel? It does. It's great. But you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's energizing, but I'll tell you this, <clears throat> I have more conversations with folks who have done a tremendous job of impacting the high school game. 
and have provided, and as a result of the work they've done, have become they planted themselves in situations where they become leaders. And this is really where our industry we're, we're hurting right now. We got shortages. We have you know people Picture. coming in and they they last a couple of years and they're out of there. And that's really a, a big focus of what we're doing. And um, I would say the that uh, I mean I could you know name a lot of people who came came with us in Core Club, stayed with us, but really never broke into the college game. And there were some disappointments along the way. But they finally got to the point where they said, you know, I, I'm going to I'm going to grow where I'm planted, and I'm planted here at the high school level. They enjoyed the game, they enjoyed the relationship with the kids, they they they, they just enjoyed their partners. And we, I mean, we have some people that are making some really really radical changes and differences in communities because they've you know taken the material. We, we support them. They have meetings. And we'll support them with video, and here, you know, this, you know, this is what you can use at the meeting, and and kind of mentor them through that, and it's been um, it's been really cool. And I think the other thing is our our relationship with NURSA, because uh, Rob and I both love working with the college students because they're just sponges, and you know they get great foundations. So, and some of them are going to just they're going to be high school referees, and that's not a just that's important. You know, that, that's just as important as what Tyler Ford did. So. Talk to me about the court club schedule. How often is new content released? How do you guys do it? Uh, um, well, we we look at this. It's like going to camp 352 weeks out of the year. And we uh, we put content out every Wednesday. So the classes are, are every Wednesday. Uh, there are some weeks, sometimes during the season, well, we'll do Wednesday, and we might do another day because certain things might have happened or certain points of emphasis, whatever. And, we, you know, we're trying to use all the technology that we can. But, the, the you know, the pattern is that uh, it's every Wednesday. And then, uh, you know, our communication with members is daily. So it's, I mean, that's what I was doing all morning. Um, uh-huh. Just, uh, you know, communicating with people and the season's starting and there's folks that um, – you know, have concerns and they want to review things. And so it's the formal part, what you see, what we put, uh, comes out is every Wednesday. And during the season, it's plays. There, there are plays that just happened in the past week because Rob and I record all the, every college game. Um, and, uh, and then we use voiceover, telestrator, try to make it as much as if somebody's in the classroom with us at that time. Understood. Yeah, and Paul, and uh, Paul, I'll just add, I'll just add to that in regard to the content. Uh, what we've been able to develop to is strategic in what we present when we present it. So there's there's a pattern throughout the year of what we put out and what we release. So this time of the year, we're obviously preparing our members uh, for the season ahead. And then we move through the season with some points of education and, and emphasis as they occur and scenarios and situations. And then as we move towards, uh, you know, January, we kind of hit the reset button and we say, okay, uh, whether you're a high school official or a college official or, or whatever level you're working at, now that the intensity and the games are taking on a new meaning because now we get in the conference play, we're looking towards postseason. So we cover areas there, and then, and then obviously as the season progresses through the completion, 
now we start to prepare our members for the camp setting and and what what looks uh are going to be successful in a camp and what we found to be successful in, in preparing for for you know uh the opportunity to go to camp and and the end result which we all want to do is get uh get a job or or uh get to a different level than we're at now or maybe it's increased our schedule and then that cycle just produces and 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 reproduces year after year we kind of go through that so uh as ed said it's 52 weeks a year and it's pertinent and it's time sensitive to the time of the year that we're releasing that and uh uh, much to the point is this metal game series. I mean, we've been we've been doing this for uh, you know two months now, and that's because uh, it's that important to to how we felt that topic is to the success of our members uh, heading into the season. Yeah, let's talk about um, routine, the routine part of the mental series. Um, you know, it's real important to establish a successful routine, not only on game days, but on non-game days. And developing that consistency and day-to-day patterns is usually crucial for your preparation. Just listening to Nate Harris talk about his routine was so strong. And he mentioned some self-talk that he does before his games. It's called confidence conditioning statements. Can I share them? Sure. Number one, I'm big with my body language and act confident at all times. Number two, I use my voice to project strength. Number three, I get to the right spot and see plays clearly. Number four, I process plays and make correct decisions. Number five, my signals have snap, command, and energy. Number six, I communicate effectively with players and coaches. Number seven, I'm one of the best referees in the game. What are the benefits to this kind of self-talk? All right, well, so now we're going to get into psychology 101 here, right? This is uh, where I got excited. So this is like our conscious mind talking to our subconscious mind. You know, let's say brain A to brain brain B. And this is how we develop habits. You notice that what Nate was saying there was all first person, present tense, positive. Okay. The IMs. So, um, so the brain, the way it works is when they hear first, that the brain is affected. The subconscious mind is where our habits are, from where our habits become developed. So if we just go to a golfer, if a golfer uh, hits the ball sideways, and now he walks down the fairway and calls himself all kinds of names and, and stopping and throwing his arms around the whole thing, there's a really good chance that that first mistake is going to be linked to a second one because he hasn't gone through a mistake recovery strategy. I go to I go to the tour the tour at uh, Torrey Pines every year, and I usually follow around guys that are not necessarily the headline guys, but follow them so I can watch them closely to go through their mental stuff. So a guy hit a ball sideways. He literally walked over and went into the outhouse. And I could hear him going, oh, I made a great noise. Came out, he took a deep breath. He went through some breathing thing. He walked over to hit his next shot. And what he was doing there, he was releasing from one part of his brain to the other. And, and he was doing some IMs. So I am like, let's, let's, let's say that um, you struggle with um, starting the second half of the game. That you have a tendency to kind of not be engaged as much as possible, which happens to people. They're in the locker room, they're relaxed, they go out, the game starts, and boom, and we're not ready. You walk out before you're ready to start, deep breath. I am a great third-quarter referee. I'm a great beginning of second-half referee. I am um, – 
I am ready to get every play. So it's first person present tense positive. So I got I like your chances there because you've basically told from your conscious mind, your subconscious mind, let's be ready, and let's let's get on the moment, be in the uh, be in the moment, because we have a like Rob was saying, if we linger on the negatives, and there's so many around us, that, you know, the, from the guy in the third row to the assistant coach, the players, there's you know we we've all been said that we're the ref, you know we, the extreme is we've all been told that we're the rest, worst referee they ever saw. I think all three of us on that call probably have heard that. Um, so we have to find a way to say, to let make sure that our mind, our habit builder, hears that I am great. So that's an exercise that works. Paul, the thing that Ed said uh, also that is important is being specific. And, and you noticed he says, I'm a great referee to start the second half or to start the – I find myself doing that constantly, especially uh, especially as we get into the second half, and you know when maybe mentally and physically we've we've gone through 25, 30 minutes of game action, and we may be fatigued. And again, sometimes that's more mental than physical. Uh, but I'll, I'll say that to myself: uh, Okay, I'm a great referee in the last seven minutes and 40 seconds, whatever whatever time is on the clock. And it just kind of brings you to that present tense, and, and I just can't highlight that enough. I think that's so important. The mind is so powerful. It's amazing. It's so powerful. You can actually get yourself to the point where you can start to visualize success. You can feel what that is. I mean, I, Steve, Javi, and I had a great conversation with us that I discussed with us. And you, walk, you, you work in the pulpit like you've been there years. He says, I have. He says, my mind has been there for a long time. He says, I have visualized these moments over and over and over again. You know, and he says, I've practiced them in my mind. Well, so all he was doing was just walking out there to push the start button. He'd been there already. When I first, you know, I started in the NBA when I was 24. I was, I came from, <clears throat> I was an educator. Um, I was a coach. My, my desire in life was to be a college football coach. And I got sidetracked. You know, I took a year off from school uh, teaching. I uh, took a sabbatical from teaching one year, and it turned out to be 32. But I, I realized that that God did pass on some gifts, and that my passion really was to help others. So I was fortunate when I started in basketball. You know, I had a mentor who's in the Hall of Fame, Mendy Rudolph. He took me under his wing, and he taught me finances. He taught me how to travel. Uh, he mentored me through the ABCs, and I realized I would not have made it if it wasn't for his hand-holding and the way he taught me, basically professionally, how to go about my business. Um, and I felt that it was I was responsible for taking that information and passing it on. And I, you know, one of the things that he shared with me was that the more you give away, the more it comes back to you. And he shared with me about finances, about the the principle of you know the first part of your money that you you know you find a way to give it away, um, and then you save it, and then you pay your bills in that order, and then it's the same thing with your time, and and um, it it does it does work. Now, I can't say that I you know I'm just a, 
hundred percent on this. I have my moments, and I have some times when I'm self-serving, and I got to check myself now. And uh, there's things where I say, you know, that's not consistent with uh, what I want to do. But when I have my quiet time every morning, I basically say, I ask God what He wants me to do. And what do you want me to do to help people today? Because I know that I'm better served, and I'm a better husband, and a better grandfather, and a father when I do all those things. No. The days that I'm into myself, not so much. And again, Paul, this is all going back to something that I said earlier. In many people have told us what we need to do in officiating as far as how to create this relaxed, calm composure, but no one has showed us how to do it. And here in this call, we, we've talked about, and again, none of these ideas are Ed and I's original thoughts, so I'm not sitting here claiming that. No. But what I am what I am claiming is we've created a platform where we've been able to we've been able to create, uh, pull this information from some of the best minds in the sports psychology industry, and and those that are the, throughout sport and 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 the mental game side of it, and combine them to give us practical implementations. Like anybody that listens to this call can go out to a game this evening and immediately implement these strategies. Immediately, I, I mean these aren't earth-shattering thoughts here. It's it's at a timeout. Go to yourself and tell yourself that you do belong. You you are a good referee in the last two minutes and forty-eight seconds of a ball game, and it, it's small changes. But again, it's just creating that positive mindset. I like how you contextualize the time there. Sort of creates an awakening for you, like during the game. Um, that was real fascinating stuff. I know I'm going to have to rewind that a couple times back, just that last clip, because that was awesome. Ed, when did you realize you had such a hardcore passion to teach and develop other officials? Crown Refs Podcast is brought to you by Neat Tucks, the best way to keep your shirt or uniform tucked. If you're looking for that clean, professional look on the court, there's only one way to do it. Log on to neattucks.com and order yours today. Neat Tucks and Crown Refs, serving the game. The other thing we'd like to do is we'd like to, you know, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't, all, uh, you know, put this out there that we want to try to get as many of the listeners that are listening to this uh, to come try Court Club for 30 days. I mean, for if you got a dollar and, and some time to invest with us each week, we think we can help you try to get to where, where your goals are. And uh, in that 30-day trial period, uh, it's a great opportunity to see what we're about. And uh, I can't think of a better time of the year to get involved than right now. It's interesting because, you know, one of the other big topics that we cover, we haven't even touched on this podcast, but uh, we've spent almost as much energy as we have on the mental game on communication and developing effective communication. And I think those two areas, uh, if people just got involved in core club and just got those two things, the, the communication series that we've done over the last year, year and a half, and then the mental game series, uh, their game will be at a level that will – clearly separate them from from their peers for sure because uh because constantly every everywhere we go we hear one of the one of the major issues in in the community of officiating is how uh how how we communicate how we communicate with our partners how we communicate with our with uh with players and 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 at the college level it seems to be most important how we communicate with coaches and you know the series that we've done over the last 18 months or so 
uh, with talking with coaches and getting their perspective. And I know that's something you do with crown refs as well. And, and hearing it from coordinators and supervisors positions and then combining all those with effective strategies on, you know what, uh, there are times when it's okay to say, uh, you know, I missed that play. Uh, and then there are other times where, you know, you may have known you missed the play, but it's not necessarily the best time to tell somebody you missed the play. But there are other ways to diffuse the situation. Uh, and, and that topic, and, and to Ed's point about the intangibles, we're going well beyond block charge. And that's, you know, that's really the message that I'd like to get out to those listening today. Uh, court club, court club goes well beyond block charge and, you know, where you stand in the trail position. We're, we're giving you things that you're not going to get anywhere else, uh, or any other camp in the country. Cause we did, we did a series on that last year, or the year. Yeah, two years ago, and then we did again last year, and we put a bunch of coaches, including Larry Brown, and we had college coaches, Bill Martelli, we had, you know, and, and um, to a person, nobody said that they were making a judgment on anybody because of the way they called the ball screen or the way they called restricted area. And matter of fact, truth be known, that NBA teams now, with all the attention to detail, put in front of their players, many teams, pictures of the officials that they're going to have that night with their names so they can address them by their first name and an identification of their communication style. Huh. Now, you think about that. That's pretty powerful. Do you watch the NBA game? Can you? Is there a difference between the way Mark Davis communicates and Scott Foster communicates? They're pretty different. That, I mean, uh, Mark is like, you know, he's a son of a Chicago police lieutenant. He's all business. Uh, he's a man of a uh, few words he will address if there's a question, but he's not going to give you a paragraph. He may give you two or three words. Scott is a very, very verbal, descriptive guy. And so he'll do more back and forth and there'll be more words. He'll do more two, three sentences and paragraphs. Hi, this is NBA referee Scott Foster. Thank you for listening to the Crown Refs podcast. Serve the game. Thank you for listening to the Crown Refs podcast. Serve the game. When I saw Joe Crawford as a guest, he's a teacher. Um, and I think that uh, the more meat you can give people, and that certainly uh, I, I can see that's what you're, that's that's your mission. Um, I mean, the people are craving for for things that are going to help them because we have a you know you think about the the percentages. Of officials to coach, so you, you're a a form of a coach, of a coach that you know certainly uh, people can easily put their finger on, and uh, you know it's it's something that we're you know there's a lot of like we have a lot of new officials that um, get all kinds of messages, you know, and they've got eight different people trying to help them, and they really have to make it. We encourage them to make decisions as to you know, who to listen to. So, you know, consistency of the information <clears throat> as far as bringing people through. And I just think that uh, when I I look at what you're doing, I try to look at my how this is affecting the official in years one through five. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's solid. I mean, as far as just helping people be, uh, you know, be fundamentally sound. But more importantly, getting people to really think because, uh, like in court club, we don't necessarily say, "Hey, you must do A, B, and C." We say, 
I want you to look at this and see if there's a better way. I mean, you know, and they may come up with a better way. Um, but we don't dictate to people about, you know, you must be over here for this play. You must be here. We we say, right, you know, it would be more advantageous if you were two steps to the right because you had more of an open look and that would process the play. Uh, and I think that's, a um, you know, a critical part. And, look, I think, Paul, you're a lifetime learner. I mean, that's Absolutely. that's what it comes down to. And, and you know, I, I want to say that until the day I go to my grave, you know, I want to be that because I'm, I'm pretty sure I know I, I know less than I, you know less and less all the time. The more I know, the less the more I know less, and you know, I have to you know I have to keep keep working at uh, learning. Never you would never arrive. I echo those same thoughts. You know, everything that I've seen from uh, what you've done and what you're trying to accomplish in the officiating community is to serve the game and uh, and really just enhance the uh, opportunities for officials all over the country to obtain information that they may not otherwise had. And I don't think anyone would be sitting here, whether they be on this call or out there, uh, wherever they may be, that has arrived at, quote, unquote, what success may look like to somebody from the outside without having lots of people behind the scenes helping them to get there. And uh, I know that Ed has always instilled that in, in me personally as uh as much as it's important to to, to uh, find a mentor, it's important to be a mentor, and we touched on that. And you know, I remember years ago Ed talking about, uh, you know, Rob, where do you want to go? What what's your goals? Okay, that's great. Well, help somebody else get there first. And that's really always resonated with me, and it's been a lesson that I've tried to to live each day by. And uh, I see that as as I know you're an aspiring official, and and uh, you're working the Division Two level, and You know, what, what really uh, inspires me and, and encourages me with what you're doing is you're trying to help others get there before you get there, and and there being the Division One level. And I think through these podcasts, there will be some people that are that are positively affected and, and are able to realize that Division One dream or whatever their goal may be uh, before you do. But eventually you'll get there because of all the people that you've helped along the way. Thank you so much for listening to the Crown Refs podcast. I really appreciate your time. I hope you're enjoying and getting a lot of value out of these episodes. The goal of the podcast is to help you become a great basketball official. We want you to exceed your full potential and help you reach your goals, whether that's to one day work in the NBA, Division One, the WNBA, the Olympics, or you simply just want to be a great high school basketball official, which is amazing too. We're here to help and support you in any way we can. If you have questions or feedback, you can find us at crownrefs at gmail.com or hit us up on any one of our social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, the Medium app, and TikTok. Do me a favor. Have a blessed day.